0: Welcome to the latest 2LO rebooted conference report, where we ask the people who've been out and about to tell us what they've seen that could change our world. I'm Bill Thompson. In this edition, we hear about developments at the recent Computer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. As well as the journalists who cover such events for news, we had a team of crack researchers there to look behind the shiny facades. Jasmine Cox and Libby Miller from BBC R&D. Jasmine is a research producer exploring new types of object-based experience, while Libby, a senior producer in the Internet Research and Future Services group, is looking at how we experience television and radio. We met in a hack space in Bristol. I've come all the way to Bristol to talk to Libby and Jasmine. Sadly, Jasmine's all the way back in Salford because she's got real work to do. Libby's here with me, and uh, the astute listener will hear some noises in the background. That's because we're not in a plush office we're actually in a make space tell us a bit about where we are first
1: uh, so this is bristol HackSpace. i come every thursday evening and have chips and talk to my friends about computers and, uh, and electronics and stuff like that joe's here he's doing a lot of tidying up which Sorry. is something you need a lot of in a hack space um, and it's really good of him but it's, it's a small space but we've got a really cool a zero laser cutter. we've got 3d printers we've got all sorts of things and a lot of other people's spare electronics
0: And they're currently being tidied up. So if you hear that in the background, it's because there's actually real work going on here while we talk about (laughs) the jolly of the Consumer Electronics Show, the the fine time you had in a (laughs) Disneyland-themed hotel in Las Vegas. Would that not be the case? Tell us about CES. Jasmine, what is CES?
2: So uh, CES is Consumer Electronics Show, a massive kind of consumer technology show out in the Las Vegas desert. Um, it's just huge. It's a wide variety of companies, um, about four thousand stands, ranging from your big kind of tech giants to kickstarters, um, and, and basically they they are showing off new products, anything with a chip in it. And there's also a conference track with speakers, um, but we didn't go to that. We just we just toured the many many stands, and our our goal there was to get a sense of uh, the direction of new and emerging technologies and what experiences and services they could support.
0: I made the joke about it being you know, a nice time. Actually, it's so big and so complicated that all the reports are that actually it's quite a lot of drudgery just getting around and finding interesting things to look at. Would that be the case?
1: We both agree on this, and, and it was exhausting. I know it sounds like a jolly, but I hate Las Vegas. It's a really awful place, and uh, it was really interesting to see stuff there, but a lot of it is nonsense as far as I can tell so yes finding the nuggets of interesting things was a task anyway
0: and and tell us about some of the the nuggets then Libby
1: so I think we both loved the Baidi so they have a smart speaker and they had a they have an SDK for it and it's really only available in China but they had some of their their collaborations with uh, I think it's Teenage Engineering and they just lovely objects which do various smart speaker type things so things like alexa in the chinese market they're really beautiful and interesting and clearly they've, they've really used their sdk the fact that they've got an open platform to do some really interesting collaborations
2: yes so they have a really beautiful actually a couple of devices for storing storytelling for kids and they are designed like well, i guess kind of chinese childlike characters and the kind of the interaction you have with them and with the stories is, is really well considered. And it's just something that you don't really see in the smart speaker designs that we we are exposed to on, on our consumer markets.
0: Obviously, there, there was voice capability in everything. In the report you wrote, you said voice on a chip, brackets not on a chip. What do you mean by that?
1: There seems to be a bunch of devices which are basically um, something like an ESP32. So you know, quite quite a powerful little device that you can Wi-Fi up and, and so on and that can recognize a few words. So there's a bit of software kind of, not quite on the chip, but on a small board. And then everything else is passed off to a cloud service of your choice. So that seems to be the way in which a lot of these Every voice in everything are implemented. So the voice in the light bulb and the, the, I mean, uh, the, the voice in the fridge, they're not all implemented the same way. That's certainly one way that it seems to be being commodified, which is quite interesting.
0: The idea is you literally just have a device which is listening all the time for a number of keywords and hearing one of those words will trigger it to send the rest of what you say off to a cloud service that will actually do the hard work of decoding it. And then what the, the object itself will decide how to react.
1: Yeah, it's a bit unclear to me exactly how they're working, but it's something of that nature. Yes, yes.
0: And do you think, sort of, uh, Jasmine, that that means we're going to see a lot more voice-enabled everything over the next year or two?
2: I think that's definitely the case. Um, there are, there was definitely on at CES a lot of ovens and uh, showers. I think had listening or voice control capabilities. So I think I think that if these these chips get cheaper and cheaper and you know they can be embedded into any kind of consumer product then people will find ways to embed them with anything whether or not that's the right right decision to have you talking to your own shower or not
0: the the danger there if you're somebody who sings in the shower and you end up singing it's too darn hot or something suddenly the temperature goes up and and you're scalded that that would worry me enormously
2: (laughs) maybe we can have some blacklisted songs you know
0: so, what other themes did you see? There's voice in everything. Robots were big, yes?
1: So, there were a lot of educational robots. A lot of those are already available, um, like little, little line following robots, and, ti- and I quite a lot of tiny dancing robots, which is quite fun. But there was also a huge amount of just kind of helper robots. A lot of them were very humanoid, which is interesting this kind of idea that they look like a bit like humans but they're trying to convey emotion somehow in the face some of them don't have faces but they have screens that can have like hearts on them or something like that one of the really interesting things is they know that we need to be able to communicate with these robots whatever they look like and the robots need to understand something about our emotions and but the way they're tackling it is currently just kind of really awful T- tell us,
0: tell us about the sad faced robot the
2: little one Yes, it has a, a such a tragic little face. So this, this chap I met, he was roaming around on the floor um, at one of the stands and he, he's about shin high or knee height and um, he's got such a, a sort of sad face because he was looking around, his, his sort of head inclination was looking distressed because there were so many people walking past him. Um, I, I think he was trying to tell everyone that he was lost Um, but nobody was helping him this this wasn't really helping him in his quest Um, people just sort of stopped and stared and filmed him on their phones like I did I think this is an attempt at, yes, trying to get us to engage with robots on an emotional level, but whether or not that the design, so the design of the face is quite emotive um, and the way the head inclines, but the rest of the body of the robot didn't really lend itself to people wanting to help this robot Looking out.
0: at your photo, I would just want to kick it over, <laughs> frankly. I would want to just see if it got even sadder as it lay on the ground struggling, because it doesn't seem to have any way of self-writing.
2: No, no. And if it fell on its face, it would, yeah, that would be game over, yeah.
0: Were there any convincing robots then? then Liz, Libby, were, were there any, any of them make you think, yes, actually, this is heading in the right direction? Because you sound quite sceptical at the moment.
1: I thought they were all awful. The ones I saw were all
2: awful. <laughs> um, you really liked the educational robots, the kind of very sweet line-following, t- sort of educational learning robots, teaching people to kind of build parts of a robot.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, li- I did like those. Um, but it didn't feel they were very advanced or anything like that i mean and we both like the window cleaning robots but they weren't really (laughs) i mean the the whole idea of a a robot that has to be a a humanoid physical shape and that is attempting to kind of help you by rolling around i just it just felt really wrong like they were starting from the wrong direction as it were
0: what else what else excited you or interested you or appalled you (laughs) jasmine
2: something that really inspired me was uh, or surprised me was a sort of prototyping method from Casio so rather than them just making watches which is what, what I thought Casio do they had um what they called 2.5d printing technology so this is a a kind of prototyping method for expanding a composite of paper and plastic And it's kind of a bit like, I would say, almost a cross between laser cutting and 3D printing. So you have a sheet and then you apply heat to certain areas and the sheet expands in those areas and you can get a moulded form that you can then colour and you've got a very, very cheap, quick prototype of maybe uh, a pair of shoes or um, a control unit, like a control panel for a car, Uh, and you can embed some electronics in that prototype and um, essentially mock up, An idea very quickly and I was really impressed by it.
0: Given that's something within RFS you like to do a lot I know both of you build things that that people can play with that are some way towards a product to help you understand how people might experience them or feel towards them this must seem a really useful technology for you
1: yeah i mean i i got i got these techniques from jasmine in fact and i've just run with it because i really think it's important to give people physical things to play with and it just gives you much better feedback so i thought it was amazing too i really like the Juki and so did jasmine so one of the things done with with our uh, ip radio sound processing platform is combine the physical and the and audio effectively and they just did this really beautifully so it's a children's audio player and they and there's like little creatures and you put them on the audio player and it plays different, either a stream or a, or an mp3 or something like that. This is amazing because we had been looking for this for a while because we thought it looked amazing. We couldn't find the stall because it was such a, a crazy big place, but we just bumped into the CEO, I think, or CTO, and he was carrying one, and he did a demo right there, and it worked beautifully, So, and it's a lovely thing, yeah.
0: And, and this is a, a manufactured product because I know that um, George Oates, who we know, Good Form and Spectacle, has, with Museum in a Box, her idea of the, the bleeper where you have an RFID tag in a 3D-printed museum object, a mm. you know, small version of a museum object, and you put it on a player and it will play you some sound file. This seems to be a more advanced, sophisticated production version of this.
1: I think that's right. I, I, I've done similar things, and I think, I think it's a really nice way of working, but this one is just really beautifully made and clearly works brilliantly, and especially, you know, the, the, the objects are nice and it's clearly something that kids could use and have fun with.
0: It could be, it could be the future of radio. <laughs> There's a, there's a big thread of, of, of either self-care or um, self-indulgence too, wasn't there?
2: Yeah, there, were, there was a, a lot of kind of taking care of yourself or taking, taking care of others um, and kind of making sure that you're doing the best version of you. you can, you're kind of making yourself the best version of you. So there were um, kind of lots of kind of extra sensory things, so sensing things that might be allergens in the environment or changing your environment to make it more kind of harmonious with scented mists um, and kind of these quite beautiful architectural wooden forms that would kind of fill your home with scented mist. Why
0: why are there electronics in a scented mist thing? I I have a scented mist thing you know it's a stick in a bottle of oil it doesn't require a chip.
2: I I think it probably monitors the humidity in the air um, and and kind of maintains an optimum level for you whether or not that's uh, yeah actually um, sensing properly.
0: We don't know. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about LiDAR because it, it strikes me that that's a really interesting thing. If, if LiDAR is firstly, what LiDAR is, and tell, is it going mainstream?
1: I mean, one thing we haven't really mentioned, but was very prominent, is um, there were there were prototype cars and self-driving cars and kind of in in-car entertainment. Now, apparently, this is usually something that you get a CES, but it was much bigger than usual because there's so much hype around self-driving cars. And then, what do you do when you're in a self-driving car because <laughs> you're not driving? So, one of the things we were doing was looking for technologies that were being commodified. So, the, the, as you say, getting really cheap. And one of those was lidar. So, lidar is the is the technological component that, in its most advanced stages, allows cars to detect objects. And people and things like that. So it's a very, very fast spinning light emitting thing that. Detects things that are around it. It is getting lots cheaper. So for a while, you've been able to get quite cheap ones, but they're not very good. So, but basically, the quality is rising and the, the 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 price is falling. So that means people are starting to use it for different things or trying to. But also, it's something to think about. Perhaps that they're around, they're cheap. Maybe we could use it somewhere in the BBC. I don't really know where, but we thought it was important to say that it was getting cheaper. So we met we met some people who are taken a fire. You know, they were selling a black box that did lidar. And they just bought the components off the shelf. And the whole thing was 500 bucks. So, you know.
0: And so you can get... Because what LiDAR gives you is what's called a point cloud, which which lets you know the location in 3D space of of the objects. So you can then bring it into some... Some way of manipulating it, or cr- putting a mesh on it and creating an object, or printing it, or doing do, doing something with it.
1: So one of the other things that we realised was being commodified was again coming out of the all the money that's been put into machine learning, effectively. So and that's getting cheaper and cheaper. So and it was appearing inside robots. So not just voice recognition. So that's, we've talked about that, but um, object rec- object recognition and face recognition, which is everywhere. So yeah, it's a thing.
0: So we can now scan the environment using LiDAR, listen to what's being said in it using voice recognition, and also find objects and faces within that environment. So, so no surveillance dystopia there <laughs> at all. <laughs> when you come back from somewhere like CES, and I ask both of you this, sort of, are you inspired, horrified, or just too tired to think about it? Jasmine?
2: I think initially I was quite tired, But since then, I have, it's actually, it's made me get a Raspberry Pi out and prototype some stuff. So I think I have been inspired, especially by things like very small kind of flexible printed electronics that we saw, some of the kind of more uh, things that we just kind of stumbled upon um, rather than the big, big kind of voice tech stuff.
0: How about you, Libby?
2: Uh, I wasn't inspired.
1: I, d- I like the flexible electronics as well, but I don't really think they're available to play with yet, sadly. No, I found it very disturbing, and um, I felt like my IQ had dropped 30 points as soon as I got there because of the environment and the jet lag and stuff. Because the whole place was just, uh, for me, like a, a real manifestation of, of the paranoia and neuroticism of the tech industry. Now, obviously, that was from a certain perspective but um, of, of being in that situation, but it, it is a very strange place, and... interesting but kind of anthropologically interesting perhaps more than anything else well
0: it's been fascinating to hear your perspective both of you not least because having watched the what you might call the mainstream press coverage of it and read the coverage of it seen what's appeared on tv about ces seen the stories that were picked up there your perspective is so radically different. It's clear if you put two serious researchers into an environment with lots of stuff, you're going to see different things. And and the things you take away from that and the things you bring back into the BBC are also very different. And actually, it has to be said from my perspective, much more valuable. So I'd like to finish by suggesting we read your poem. (laughs) Now, you have two options here. I can can ask you to read it or I can get a a (laughs) text-to-voice system to do it but so it's up to you
1: i think i prefer the text to voice
0: if that's okay okay so so we're getting machine to read the poem now <laughs> and that will be the end of it thank you thank you <laughs> livy and jasmine for for sharing your experience would you go back next year no not me <laughs> <laughs> okay good well we'll find somewhere else to go then thanks a lot and that's it for this conference report from 2lo rebooted do stay tuned for the next one and if you've got a story you'd like to tell get in touch CES Neuroses. A poem. We're so so tired. Our pets are lonely. Our air quality is poor. Our enemies can hear us. Our elders are falling over. Our cars don't have wheels. We can't find any uses for VR. We don't eat enough good food. We rely too much on technology. And. Our TVs are too small.